Welcome to the Rogue Journal Club, where we tear studies apart so you don't have to. The Rogue Journal Club is a Shio Sophia production, featuring long-form discussions of peer-reviewed studies, published in academic journals, and their connections to society. I'm Adrian, And I'm Gina. We'll be your hosts. A journal club is when academics at universities get together to talk about papers. But we've gone rogue. We're going to do journal club our way. Join us. Today on the Rogue Journal Club, we discuss the article, Cannabinoid Content and Label Accuracy of Hemp-Derived Topical Products Available Online and at National Retail Stores. The article appeared in a 2022 issue of Pharmacy and Clinical Pharmacology, and the first author is Tori R. Spindle. So, CBD, hemp? Yeah. That kind of yeah, this out. is a new topic uh, uh, to venture into for us, but I, I'm a, uh, a fan of this topic in general just because I think about this kind of stuff a lot. But um, it's also really interesting since I used to be into the like alternative natural health stuff, which I guess I kind of talked about in the gluten episode. And so this kind of, to me, is just another one of those issues with like who decides who gets to do medicine. Mm. Um, and I think it raises some, the study itself is not all, all that complicated. Um, so mostly I picked it for its political implications because it would bring up some kind of interesting, you know, libertarian stuff about drug laws and medicine and how, how consumers should be beware and all that kind of stuff. So, definitely, um, definitely. Yeah. And to, to your to your point, I mean, this this I actually really liked because it was a great example of a simple study that was actually done very well. You know? Yeah, actually, I have some I have some criticisms of it. So uh, they're not huge, though, because I think it's it's really simple. And I don't actually think there were any major problems with how they did it. But I just like for some reason, because it was Johns Hopkins, I expected more from it. I thought it was maybe the way that they framed it. They could have learned some more interesting. I think it was Johns Hopkins. Well, I know it was done. I know the. I know a lot of the work they did was in Baltimore. So I mean, that would presume it would be Johns Hopkins, but not necessarily. Yeah, I don't know where I saw that. Thank you for pointing that out because I could be full of crap. Um, <laughs> corresponding author Tori Spindle, Behavioral Pharmacology Research Unit, Johns Hopkins. Oh, okay, Johns Hopkins School of Medicine. Okay. Yeah. And yeah, and it was funded by some kind of like drug addiction. Uh, let me find it again. Funded by the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration. Okay. So I'm assuming that's a state thing, maybe? Um, I'm not sure. No, I mean, that might be something in... Oh, SAMHSA. I've seen this acronym before. I just didn't know what it stood for. Okay, I got you. What is SAMHSA? In mental health. I've seen it in my life. I feel like that's a Fed thing. Yeah, it might be. Um, oh, it's headquartered in Rockville, Maryland, though. Well, that, that's no surprise. There's a bunch of different entities that are in that have headquarters in Maryland and are still Fed. So. Right. Oh, yeah, it's federal. It's SAMHSA.gov. <laughs> there we go. It's just a question of, you know, what, what, um, 
what's it under? I would presume it's either it's under health and human services or, or. Yep. Yeah. I'm on their website. I just saw that it's under department of health and human services. Okay. There we go. Yeah. Okay. So it's federally funded. As with many things. <laughs> yeah. Most research done in the United States is federally funded, especially if it's done in the beltway and surrounding areas. That's like a huge, that area of the country is a big like pool for federal funding so so anyway what on earth are we talking about probably should We're say what about, this uh topical ointments with cannabis oil yeah so basically what they wanted to do so this study is called cannabinoid content and labeling accuracy of hemp derived topical products available online and at national retail stores and my criticisms of it aren't aren't like they're kind of just nitpicky so I think what they wanted to learn from this, they learned. So I think it was definitely good. Um, I didn't look at the supplemental information because I wanted to know more about how they did their laboratory testing. And I didn't, by the time we got started, I didn't get to it. So, um, but the question I have about that is, is really minor. Um, so basically one of, what they did is they bought a bunch of CBD products and they measured the amount of CBD and THC and other cannabinoid compounds in them to see if the labeling was accurate. So how much was in there versus how much they said was in there. And they bought 105 different products, 45 from retail stores uh, in like brick and mortar stores and 60 from online stores. Right. Um, and they found that most of them were, uh, uh, let's see, what is it? They were under-labeled. 58% of them were under-labeled, meaning they contained more than what they were advertised to contain by more than 10%. I'm not surprised that they were, you know, 10, I guess the average was like 21% off. That seems really believable to me for just how precision, how precise you have to be when you're adding Right. that kind of stuff in microgram quantities um if your droplet is just like a little bit off it can make a huge difference in the number of micrograms so this is like a millionth of a gram right that's a very tiny quantity of the molecule uh and they didn't find any uh any uh more than trace amounts of uh cannabinoids that were neither thc nor cbd there's like lots of different kinds of cannabinoid compounds and they didn't find that many so at least the extraction procedure from the hemp is really, really good if they're able to get that pure. Um, but so the points they made at the end was like, well, it's good for consumers to know that they're actually getting the amount that they are paying for. And that's all completely understandable. But the political implications of this are always. They didn't uh, talk about the political implications, which I actually appreciate yeah i mean i guess i may not i may have to disagree slightly so i mean they talked about it with the sense of you know users uh, folks who are looking at this and you know um may be misled because of yeah misleading claims may result in individuals using poorly regulated regulated and expensive can cabinet i can't pronounce it cannabinoid right yeah <laughs> products instead of fda approved products that are established and as safe established as safe and effective yeah um, for a given health condition um but that's the only thing because it wasn't really like well everything should be available or everything should be regulated it's more was more was a thing of people may fall for something that's incorrect 
Yeah, I guess so. They just said these findings highlight the need for proper regulatory oversight of cannabis and hemp products to ensure that these products meet established standards for quality assurance and so that consumers are not misled by unproven therapeutic or cosmetic claims. My, I have no problem at all with the first thing, the quality assurance thing. And personally, just from my, my own experience in the alternative health world, there is no way to make sure that consumers are not misled by unproven therapeutic or cosmetic claims. Like that, that's, that is the way of the system. You, like there's no way to protect consumers from wrong information. And this is like one of the things we always talked about with all the other free speech and science issues is that like people have to be free to be wrong and to do dumb things sometimes. And like, you do the best you can to learn and communicate what you do know. And, you know, if you're a conscientious person, you do your best to educate yourself with the sources that you trust, but there's no way to actually do the second thing. And so obviously I'm kind of hammering on them a little bit hard just because I, I hate always seeing this, this kind of like, and so therefore laws are the answer. Like it's, that's always seems to be what comes up, you know, and it, it's fine because this paper is not like overtly political. Like you said, it's it's kind of a refreshing change, but it, there's still little hints of that kind of like, well, now that we know the labels are off, the solution is to like require, I mean, that's what the FDA is for, but getting CBD products uh, regulated by the FDA is uh, not going to be simple because they, there hasn't been a way to do that for any of the other herbal and, uh, non, I don't even know how to describe this. This is not herbal. This is a purified compound. It's not a, it's not hemp in a, in a capsule. It's actually a no, molecule. Oil. So it is a drug. Yeah. It's just not patentable because it's a naturally derived product. So it's not of interest to the pharmaceutical industry, um, at least the part of the pharmaceutical industry that makes drugs because they are all about the novel compounds. Right. Yeah. This isn't a novel compound necessarily as much as it's just naturally drawn and refined. Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe somebody could claim, you know, we refined it differently or we refined it to be stronger or something like that. And that's, that's the only thing I can think of with respect to hemp that could be like patentable or something. But yeah. I think with the, with the CBD thing, they, one of the things they said that um, I, I don't have that many notes on this one. So one of the things they said was, um, so one thing I wish they had done was to also test the ingested CBD products, like mm -hmm. the tinctures that people take and mm -hmm. the, um, some people vape it, uh, yeah. And they only looked at the topical stuff, which I think that must be the main way that people use these products for like pain. You know, when you get like a, like a cream for your sore muscles or something like that, I think that's the main way that people consume CBD products. But, uh, those, the tinctures and the vapes are also not like trivial. They are very well represented among the things people use. So um, so they looked at, um, so I think they may have gone with the topicals because if their question was about the accurate labeling, they mm -hmm. apparently already did that with the oral and the vaping ones. Oh, they did. Yeah. Did they it, cite that somewhere. It's in the introduction and it cites numbers three and four in the references oral and vaping cabinoid 
products are often labeled inaccurately for CBD and or THC. Content. Oh, okay. So they're just saying we already know this about the ingested ones, but so now we're going to look at the, the creams and things like that. Yeah. 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 So I get like a C for effort this week on reading the paper. I'm like, I, it's good between the two of us, we should be able to figure this out. Um, my head has been elsewhere. Um, so luckily it was a simple paper. So yeah, that takes care of that. Did you happen to see them say anything about why they compared in store versus online? Cause to me, I think the, a more interesting comparison would be the type of company. Like, is it a big pharmaceutical conglomerate that just like added a CBD division or is it like some guy in his basement making things, you know, cause that's the, there's a big spectrum. Um, you know, it didn't really say why they decided to do both. And it may just have been, it may be following on from the other one because I think in the other ones, just looking at the references, you know, to the oral and vaping stuff, if you look mm -hmm. at the reference section for those mm -hmm. papers they cite with that line, they're talking about um, edible man medical products. But the other paper, the fourth one there is labeling extract, labeling accuracy for cannabinoid. I can't, I can't talk. <laughs> it had been in Can cannabidiol extracts sold on. Oh, okay. Mm. <laughs> and it's a lot of the same authors well at least one of them i think yeah bon miller is one of the authors on this one so that must have been something they did before oh and vandry also yeah so they, they've been doing this a, they've been working at this a while i think um yeah i think for me what i would want to know and they didn't find any significant differences between online and brick and mortar which doesn't really surprise me i think what it would have been neat to know is if so one of the things that kind of drives me nuts about the CBD thing is that there's a lot of little startups of like sole proprietors, little like mom and pop shops that basically they buy the concentrate um, from a company that just extracts it from the hemp and sells it. And then they'll take like a dropper uh, and, and make their products and dose it out like that. Um, but there's so the drop necessarily yeah, the, the idea what that concentration is well they will get the concentration and then there's probably an approximate uh amount per drop that they are that's on that bottle that they could expect but when you do an eyedropper um when it's microgram quantities the if the drop size isn't perfectly consistent that's going to cause some pretty wild fluctuations i'm surprised it's only 20 percent off so i mean I'm not saying that the people that are like sole proprietors are like dumb or something. It's just a limited, uh, they're limited by the equipment. So if you bought, you know, like a laboratory grade pipette that had, you know, microliter um, yeah, tips on it, yeah. and you could actually get a really accurate, consistent, um, As to working you know, turkey baster or something like that. Yeah. It's like a little, like a little mini turkey baster for a teeny little turkey. <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the droplet size matters a lot. So I think what's interesting is that it's over and not under. Yeah. I would have thought it would be under because there'd be like sticking, like, um, there'd be loss from it sticking to the, um, to the thing. But I guess the other thing that sometimes people don't know, and I was trying to imagine this having been in labs for so long, like what could possibly be the reason why they would be like, like, uh, consistently over, overdosing their, um, 
I don't want to say overdosing, that's not the best word, but like basically over pipetting um, is that, that there's like probably always a little tiny bit left. And if you don't know not to try to force that last little bit out, yeah. sometimes droppers are rated to include that little extra oh, uh, I see. in, you know what I mean? So if like they, sometimes things have to be so precise that you can buy, um, pipette tips that are uh, non-binding so nothing sticks to them because some plastics even will bind to the stuff you're trying to pipette so it depends on your application right so if it's something like this where there's maybe a tiny little bit left in the tip maybe an inexperienced person would try to push the rest of that out thinking that that's like that but but it's already accounted for that right. that amount that it's pushing out you don't need to actually push that last little bit out. And so maybe that's part of it, but it's, it's hard to know. I mean, even if they're, if they're just using an eyedropper in their house versus maybe someone went on Amazon and bought some like low end pipettes, it's hard to say um, because there's such a huge spread as far as like what kinds of companies make these products, you could have some company that's already making tons of other pharmaceutical products and they just add a CBD division and they already have all the gear versus like someone who's like, I wanna start my own CBD business and make soaps and creams for my friends. That person's gonna have much less accurate equipment yeah. just by virtue of what's available to like an untrained person. So. So that's what have been more interesting to me rather than comparing online versus brick and mortar, which seems like it would have an even spread of all different kinds of products, which looks yeah. like that's what happened. I would like to know, do sole proprietor small shops have a wider spread of accuracy than maybe like uh, a pharmaceutical company and or I, something like that? Yeah, I was hoping that when, because um, I pulled up the appendix over here, I was hoping to see did they put in there somewhere you know what the companies were how many of them were big companies or how many of them were small companies or something yeah. no do that the the um yeah they they just have the percentage deviation in the actual and labeled amount of cbd for each individual product that included an amount of cbd cbd in the label which was 89 yeah. um stratified out by the product type and i think what was interesting is what's interesting and what I can see here is that that figure, the, uh, the number for the lotions mm -hmm. percent deviation is almost 50% on average. Um, so mm. yeah, I'm sorry. The median is 50 near 50%. And so zero indicates the perfect agreement between actual and labeled amounts, but values plus 10% indicate the product contained more CBD than advertised. Um, which is underlabeled and values less than minus 10 decayed product contain less CBD than advertised. So it's interesting to see based on the label and I'm just looking based on the, not on the label, good grief, <laughs> based on the, uh, this thing here, I can, I'll give you, I'll send you the link in a second. Cause it's, it's actually a really good figure to look at if you were thinking about like specific products and what it looks like and visualize, cause it's hard to tell with the numbers. I wouldn't have called it necessarily with, um, that it would be the lotions that would have this kind of weird look. Um, yeah. Are you showing me uh, figure, uh, what figure, with the, with those plots, those dot plots, um, not table, 
or is it a different figure that's somewhere no, no, no. else? It's a figure in the appendix. It's a figure. Oh, okay. In the in the thing, I'm gonna put this in an email because I can't. I don't want oh, to put okay. the chat up here because I think it'll accidentally record that. So I don't. <laughs> oh, that's right. We can't show figures on here without copyright. I mean, this is open source. I think. No, this one's open source, but um, I hope that worked. I put I put it in an email for you, so you you can you can find okay. it. it I haven't seen it just yet, but. Maybe it's good. There it is. Okay. Yeah. It's it's a good figure. It tells actually, I'm glad they did that figure. I wish they would have actually put that in the text. This is this might be a gripe for me. A, a minor gripe for me is just like, you should never put things in the supplemental. They can actually sell a bit more of the story in the main text. Uh, I thought of you saying that because I had a similar criticism that there's a bunch of things they said were in the appendix that I was like, wait, can that be in the paper? Because that would actually answer the question I had about whatever it was. Um, the analytical methods, like the laboratory methods, were something that I had wanted to know. Um, let's yeah, see. Oh, and they, they actually have that here. But no, I'm looking at the thing. Yeah, there was a bigger spread uh, for lotion and cream than for the bombs and the salves. There was just like one outlier. Mm -hmm. And then the patches. The patches were actually really tight. I would believe that if you're the kind of company that has the gear to make a patch, which like... You know, if you're some guy you're making pop shots, wouldn't have wouldn't have the tools to make it into a patch like that. Right. So I would see this kind of supports my hypothesis that the bigger companies that have the the expensive equipment are going to have uh, less of a, a spread than, say, you know, the lotions and the creams, I think, are the easiest ones to make. So I had to look up because I didn't know actually what the difference was between a lotion, a cream, a balm, and a salve. So I, I went on a bunch of like natural beauty product websites to get like, <laughs> like to get the lowdown on what that is. So a, yeah, a you know, cream. I don't know the difference either. So in, in light, yeah. I have no idea. I shall educate you because I learned this about an hour ago. So, um, <laughs> A cream and a lotion are both an oil and water suspension, but a lotion is thinner, so it has a higher proportion of water to oil. And then a cream is, a, is more of a, a thicker, like higher oil content. Um, and then a salve and a balm are also on a spectrum of thick to thin. And they're an oil and herb suspension with beeswax to make it solid. That's how you get the the like lip balm stick yeah. okay. or the, the thing. So a balm has more wax and a salve has less wax. So I think the lotions and the creams are the things that are easiest for small shops to make. Yeah. Um, and then a balm and a salve, they're not actually that hard to make, but you do need to get your hands on some beeswax and you need to know how to do that. So that's like an added layer of skill that you have to figure out but you can do it with a crock pot like it's not actually very hard uh to make your own salves i used to be interested in doing this not with cbd but with just like like herbs and things like that back in the day so um you can learn how to do that with like soap making so i i do have another question now as i'm looking at this figure it's just like okay you have lotion cream balm salve and patch what is other yeah, that's a good question. I didn't realize they had an other category <laughs> until I saw this figure. Like, I don't know. Are you rubbing the herb on your arm or something? Or is this like, you know? Yeah. Is it just like, yeah, I don't know what other would be, but they said it was, maybe it's just some other kind of topical thing that doesn't 
fit any of those descriptions yeah, based on like the formula. Yeah. One of those things that's in other is the top of the scale, you know, in that, in that ah. extra figure. So I'm like, <laughs> Oh, so it, yeah, it was like way, way over. Yeah. Yeah. And none of them were under. So <laughs> whatever that was. And I wondered another thing, like a weird statistics question. So I have to actually look in their analytical methods. So they did GCMS. So that's kind of cool. Um, and they uh, sent it out. So for, they, for me, what is GCMS? Because ah, I so, work in a lab with... <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. So GCMS, so G, it stands for gas chromatography mass spectroscopy. Okay. So you inject um, your sample into this machine that vaporizes the sample. And so it will uh, generate peaks for every... Uh, substance that vaporizes, so it it's only usable for things that can be uh, that can be in a gaseous form. Um, if you're doing something that is like has to be in a liquid, then that's LCMS, liquid chromatography mass spectroscopy, okay. and that's another purification. So it's like a column where everything is separated out by. Uh, it's been like 10, 12 years since I've done this, so now I can't remember. <laughs> I, what what the peaks are showing i think it's an absorbance reading or something and so it's separated out by that that peak so you can kind of see it uh sometimes they're separated out by molecular weight or or charge or something like that but that's i know more about lcms than gcms i only did it as an undergrad so i don't really remember a lot about it no i just, but, I just had no idea what the acronym was and and i I would not have known anything about how it works. So I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. It's, it's a cool looking uh, piece of equipment and it, a lot of them are automated now. So you just put your sample in and it goes and then you get your data out. So it's pretty cool. Um, Push button go. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there is some skill to knowing how to inject it properly and all of that and prep the sample. That's like kind of where the, the, the work is. And then also I remember the person I worked for, uh, at the time was like constantly fixing the GCMS. <laughs> so that's another thing that like knowing how to, how to troubleshoot problems, that's pretty much where all the skill is. So I wanted to know a very minute thing Sure. when they sent their samples off, did they only send one replicate of each product? Did they take multiple replicates of each and then average them together and did the did the laboratory send them the average of the duplicates and then when they did their mean were they technically taking an average of an average that made me wonder and i can't tell it doesn't like look like they put any notes in here about the replicates if you'd think when I did something like not anything like this exact thing, but when I had to send samples off to just get quantities of different, I wanted to get some growing media analyzed. I was intentional about saying in my paper that I didn't give them any replicates because I couldn't afford to. They, they right. needed too large of a, like the, the lab that you send things to, they tell you how much of your sample they need to get the bare minimum of information out of it. And so this lab, they were, they needed more than I had. So I couldn't give them replicates. I had to only give them like one because that was like what I could afford to give them. So maybe 
it's not clear here if they gave them replicates or if they just gave them one. And that would, that would actually be part of the reason why there's so much wiggle in their data. Right. So yeah. I don't know. And then, and if they did do duplicates or triplicates or whatever they did, or 10, who knows how many, like, well, I mean, then that means their means and medians are actually averages of averages. Yeah, which is tricky to deal with statistically speaking, but yeah, it's also, you know, it now that you mentioned that, if if they didn't do replicates, which they didn't say, because I don't see it in the analytical method supplemental other than yeah i don't they just talked about the gcms technique like the the system like helium was used as a carrier and all the sort of like specs for the system which a lot of this stuff is pretty standard there's nothing like out of the ordinary about the the gc protocol but they didn't say whether or not the lab used replicates and that that makes me wonder so if it's a four higher lab like one of those that you do like a fee for service then they may have done replicates and just not said and then what the number that they got sent back the no, the the authors get their data printout back they may not have known that yeah. that number they were getting was an average and it had a standard deviation associated with it or maybe it was just one sample so there's so that just made me from what they wrote yeah so that made me i don't know not necessarily doubt the accuracy of this paper but just i wonder what how it would have changed if they had you know if they increased their sample size or if you knew that they had replicates or something so well made me wonder but it's still interesting <laughs> yeah i mean i could see it going both ways that if they did multiple replicates and they were precise with the pipettes and what have you at pulling the right amount of sample every time or close to the same amount of sample every time mm -hmm. and presuming the concentrations are roughly evenly distributed in the sample then you wouldn't necessarily expect a really high variance within an individual sample from an individual product it's probably not going to be that big of a, a swing yeah. it'd probably be like decimal places off well i mean that, that is a question because i think what was it the order of magnitude for some of these things was yeah that's true too 0.3 percent was what they were looking for as the legal limit uh, yep which was it 0.03 or 0.3 i wonder if somebody's reading it somewhere and being like uh, uh somebody's doing this shit illegally <laughs> oh the thc well because in hemp there's always a little bit of thc there it's just the ratio so that's why the law like the farm bill in 2018 this was such a huge deal for this industry mm -hmm. and why like all of a sudden you see cbd shops everywhere is because the farm bill passed and it made it took hemp off of the controlled substances yeah, list. No, no, no. I, under, I understand that i understand oh, that. okay there's a certain at least is my understanding there's a certain legal limit of the amount of thc and uh, thc you can have in a product before you yeah start. it's oh it's 0.3 percent yeah, that that's yeah. Oh, is it point three or is it point? Oh, oh, it is point three. Never mind. Yeah, never mind. I misread. Apologies. Yeah, yeah. It's it's point three percent because THC naturally occurs in hemp. It's just not enough to get you high. So tech. That's why it was okay to make hemp uh, not a controlled substance. Right. So probably right. nobody's doing anything illegal here, but well, yeah. I mean, 
depending upon which of those products, which I, I one of the online ones, this is what's kind of scary to me thinking about people using it. One of the online ones was 0.21%. So that's trying to get pretty damn close. <laughs> to that. Yeah. Oh, but you know what they did say? They made a really good point. The labeled amount, this is on page five and it's at the, the second paragraph of the discussion, the last half of the second paragraph. Yeah. The labeled amount of CBD was usually expressed on the basis of the total contents of the whole product, not per dose. So if you only add 0.3% THC in like the whole jar or whatever, then that's like trace once it comes down to how much is actually going into your body. And then they even had a question about the, um, the, like how absorbable is CBD from these products? We don't actually really know. We know that it does cross the skin, but how, what percent uh, plus or minus do you tend to absorb from, you know, and then when you're just rubbing it, it's a really inexact amount. So you don't actually know how much like one rub is like, what is that? You know? So yeah. it's very, I mean, this is super typical. has to be done. What was that? It's a really precise clinical trial that has to be done to nail that one down. Oh yeah, it would be. And that's like, that's what drug trials do when they're trying to, you know, and I guess there was one where it was, uh, what did they say? Am I looking at the right one? Oh, it was a pharmaceutical grade CBD gel. And someone actually did do a test of what the absorption is through the skin, but I think it was just, does it absorb through the skin or not? Not necessarily like really yeah. precise amounts. Yeah. Well, maybe that's, um, we were asking a question before about what the heck is other, maybe, mm. <laughs> maybe it's oh. a or something like that or something in that neighborhood. That could be, that's <laughs> probably highly possible. So yeah, you'd probably have to give it to people in a syringe just without a needle on it. You just suck it up into a, a syringe and then squirt it back out, but you just know exactly how much cream you're giving people. Yeah. And I keep aiming doing? at my hand, like for some reason it's always on the hand. I don't know. My my aunt uses CBD for her arthritis in her hands. So, um, and she's like the last person to even be positive at all about cannabis. So when she told me that she was buying this CBD cream, I was like, what, what, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, you're the last person I would have ever thought that would say something positive about cannabis. <laughs> so it definitely has taken off with even people that wouldn't otherwise like not even say the word marijuana. <laughs> so, well, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I don't have generally speaking a problem with CBD in the, in that, you know, you get you're generally speaking not getting high unless your tolerance for the stuff is really really low yeah yeah <laughs> <Anything>. yeah <laughs> um yeah no i do have problems with the idea of having medical marijuana involved but that's a whole <laughs> it's a whole other conversation um oh yeah, and some like the thc doses in medical marijuana in marijuana generally nowadays in particular is so much more than 0.3 percent that you're just like oh sure yeah <laughs> and i think they even mentioned it in here like one of their concerns with it um oh shoot where is it i saw it there was something about it there was something about the issues of psychosis in having um in having too much of this cbd too much thc in a product or having a mislabeling of that and risking the adverse effect of of psychological issues that can sometimes come with that i'm just can't find it because i remember reading it <laughs> is this for thc or for cbd no thc 
Oh, okay. Yeah, THC is known to have that. Pro- yeah. Oh, yeah. Actually, I think. Yeah, they said it. Although THC consider- concentrations were always under the legal limit for hemp, 0.3%, many products contained amounts of THC up to 100 milligrams capable of producing substantial intoxication when administered through other roots, oral, smoked, or vaporized. Uh, and we measured the total amount. Of- That's not what I was thinking of because they did actually measure they did actually talk about it and i know i've seen it in other in other things when it's come to you know oh here we go data suggests that clinical studies are warranted to determine whether topical products with thd can produce psychoactive effects so yeah they were starting to talk about the the concerns of the mislabeling and particularly the potential for having too much thc in there but having it labeled wrongly yeah and i think well they uh get people very high and introduce because like some of the problems with the new age marijuana that I've read in papers is the THC level being so much higher. There's more instances of psychosis in people who who smoke regularly. So yeah, if you're not used to it, it can definitely feel like psychosis for sure. And in and you know honestly, I guess the one thing that was that was interesting about this, well, I guess if they're all under the legal limit but then one whole container might contain enough to get you high. Most people aren't ever going to consume or use an entire container in one <laughs> shot, which they so. mentioned. Yeah, we would hope so. And then again, you may have that one stupid idiot that does. <laughs> See, yeah, there's the thing. So this, I guess, is the difference in views is like, there's always going to be some stupid idiot that does something stupid. That's like the fact, that's a fact of life. So there would never, ever be a regulatory anything that would prevent that completely and i guess it just matters how many one stupid guys or girls like maybe it's a lot of people maybe it's mostly clustered around young people and maybe that's like a big problem that we would want to look into or you know i guess the one thing that um i was thinking about is if it's high enough to if someone like my aunt is using the cbd cream and then fails a drug test (laughs) that would be a nightmare right if you have a job and you think that you're having you're using this supplement that doesn't have any thc in it and then you use it a lot and it accumulates and then you fail a drug test that would be really bad because you're not somebody drug test it takes thc takes about 30 days to actually get out of your system yeah so it could accumulate if you're someone that doesn't metabolize it very quickly but again that might be rare and if it's under the legal limit i'm assuming that legal limit has something to do with what shows up in a drug test yeah i think it does i have no idea off the top of my head but yeah Yeah, neither do i i don't know what i don't know anything about those tests like how they work i've never looked that up but now i kind of want to look it up now that i've said that so um yeah i can't find where they were talking about it but yeah that's that's um it's one thing that occurred to me is the um yeah is that kind of a thing do, do you can you get it in your system enough from a from a lotion or a topical that you would end up failing a test eventually yeah probably is is so small that it's it's i think it's, you know trace quantities yeah i think it's ridiculously small based on the concentrations that they pulled from this thing even though yeah admittedly i mean having a factor where you're like in order of 10 magnitude off <laughs> yeah label is actually pretty bad yeah see this is the issue that i have with the small with the the sort of the independent i i mean i'm torn on this because i i have very libertarian views and i want people to be able to try what they want to try but personally it annoys the crap out of me that there's all these little small shops that are making these products and essentially prescribing them to people 
without medical training or any way of knowing what an appropriate dose is for a a condition. That's the biggest thing where they had this, I, I left a big highlight at the end and I thought, Sometimes the writing of this was a little on the awkward side, um, <laughs> where I thought, like, why did you say that? So, yeah, they, so uh, with the with the presentation, um, yeah. So, yeah, I try not to nitpick that as much because it's like it's easy to find it's easy to find those problems in papers because that's not what they're for. They're not great works of li- literary genius. So, um, so let's see, uh, have shown that cannabis, cannabinoids can penetrate the skin and enter the systemic circulation when applied topically. So we know that, that it does, but not what percent. And then most products were inaccurately labeled for CBD. Okay, products with lower CBD than advertised may be less likely, likely to elicit the desired medical benefits. Products with more CBD than advertised may be a health concern given the potential for adverse effects from too much like liver toxicity or drug interactions. Um, that's all well and good if we actually knew what doses were appropriate for which conditions. So how, like, you know, when, when, you know, medicine man next door comes over and says, here, I have this cream that I made that will, is really good for arthritis. Granny, you can try it for your sore hands or your sore neck or whatever. Like now just, t- you know, rub it on three times a day. Like, how do you know it's three times a day? Maybe it's two, maybe it's one, maybe it's 10. And how much in, you know, how much do you take per rub? And then like your, your, your skin and the, the exact formulation, you don't know, like, that the matrix that it's like suspended in the the specific way that medicine man next door makes it could have an impact on what's absorbed. And so pharmaceutical companies for all of their flaws are really good at answering the questions that I just asked. And so there's a trade-off, like, do I want these little small businesses to be able to do what they want to make a living and take the risks they want? Yes, of course. I'm very pro that, but if you're going to be an informed consumer, you should kind of know that like the small time shops are, are may not have really good quality control. Mm-hmm. So. No, I mean, I, I kind of in part agree with you that it's just like, okay, wait a second, you know, this is a danger that you could have somebody. And I'm, I do unfortunately think also of, in of the, uh, the more illicit possibility that somebody could just lace it in there to be malicious. I mean, we don't want to think of that, but it's a possibility too that it could happen with somebody doing their own shop. Not to say that it would. I just, I just yeah. know the possibility that it's there. I don't necessarily trust yeah. anybody to be the kindest person that's out there and just want to make super, super, super charged up lotion to just get you shooting off at like a rocket or something like that. Um, yeah. I mean, that to me, just on like my highly uninformed personal opinion is that seems really unlikely because that's like kind of a, a business thing where that's not cool if you're like dosing people uh, without their knowledge. That's like generally not cool. No, no, no. And I'm, you won't, yeah, I'm not you won't have customers and you won't have people recommending you to their friends and, and that if you do that kind of stuff. But you're right that it's all, all those risks are always there. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. It's a tough one because, I, I mean, ideally you'd have it with the folks who know what they're doing, even if they're using not laboratory grade equipment, they know what they're doing enough that they can, they, they can figure it out and not, 
um not necessarily have the folks who have no idea what they're doing <laughs> yeah <laughs> and you know and then just to be like just to play the devil's advocate i like toss this around in my head maybe maybe i'm being a snob and i'm being like oh well you have to have precise laboratory equipment or else it never counts rah, rah, rah. maybe it's just fine to have it be highly inaccurate when it's a cream because the amount that you put on yourself is going to be inaccurate from time to time anyway and so maybe it doesn't matter in the end because the span of micrograms to treat a particular condition maybe maybe there's a lot of wiggle room maybe 100 micrograms or 400 micrograms it doesn't matter because you're just sort of treating uh like you know transient pain or pain in general is really hard to diagnose and treat because it's so subjective right. and there's not like a blood test where you go this much pain can be you know treated successfully by this much cbd you know you have to ask the person did it help you feel better and there's like a huge mental component to that too so it's a subjective like, rating scale when you do the pain stuff yeah so okay. you know if anyone out there has a cbd business you know, have fun. I'm not trying to insult you. <laughs> I'm just, and I'm not trying to be a, a, a snob that like only highly trained pharmaceutical laboratory people are, should be allowed to do anything. I think that's not true. I think you should be allowed to try what you want to try. And I think that's sort of where you and I disagree about the, the THC side of things is I would actually like for all of this stuff to be legal so that we could openly talk about it and study it and understand it and get addicts help and have all of the sort of taboo removed from it. But then I see the, the, the value in, in having some things be illegal. It just it depends on how, what you think people need to be part of a healthy society. And you can, you can look on two, two sides of that, I think. Yeah, no, I, I, I understand. I understand that. And it's just, for, for me, like, I don't have a problem with, with THC like this. I really don't, um, kind of thing like that. Cause it's not enough to be of any harm to you really. And you're right. not necessarily going to be in a situation where like mentally you'll do a whole lot of harm to anybody else either. Yeah. I do worry more so about the, <laughs> about the other option with, with marijuana where you could be high to the point where you're doing serious harm to somebody else and whether or not that should be unregulated deregulated or what have you um or just made flat out legal every right don't scratch the chair hey no you know better than that luna don't scratch the chair sorry <laughs> i lost my train of thought <laughs> um whether or not i mean that's that's a whole question of whether or not it should be legal or illegal or what have you with with marijuana um some places have made it i i, I might be open to the idea of like medical marijuana you know what right. i mean but like in the state that i live in 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 the last couple of years they did vote to make medical marijuana legal here mm -hmm. um and it was and it's what was called a state question it was done on our state's it was basically the um, state questions or things like they're put on the ballot and everybody votes on it. And if the voters say yes, then the state has to do something with it. Um, and so that's how it was voted on. I would have voted against it at the time because the way they structured it basically was along the lines of the doctor can't say no. Oh, yeah. See, that's where I have a 
problem with the medical marijuana side is your doctor should be able to ha- say, no, you don't really need this. You're just trying to get hot. Sure. <laughs> and I think yeah. there's a difference between the happy and the quality of life side of things rather than you're just trying to escape from reality. Yeah. So I wonder, like, is it the, in a sense, it is sort of the doctor's job to, to, to decide whether you're doing harm to yourself or not. That's one of their jobs is to help you be well. So I fully agree with you there that that's, that's silly that the doctor can't say no. That's like the state doing the doctor's job for them, essentially. It wasn't, it wasn't the state's fault Hmm. as the way it is, is that it's the way the question was worded on the ballot made oh, it I see. that it had to be allowed that way you can basically oh. you know go to your doctor and say i have this give me pot you know give me the thing for pot and then you can walk into whatever shop dispensary you like and get what you want oh okay so they didn't they didn't mean for that but that's what the voters thought it meant so it, well, is no, that what you're saying that's what, it, that's what it meant i don't know that that's what voters thought it meant okay the may have thought there might have been more regulation to it oh. but there's really not <laughs> Right. No, a lot of these legalization met or the, the medical stuff is all like a thinly veiled attempt at getting recreational, which is, I think, what everybody really wants, like all the, the, the advocates, what yeah. they what they want is recreational legalization, which I'm personally in favor of because everyone's doing it anyway. Right. <laughs> and then it would just make it less That's- of a less of a taboo to talk about and get people help. But I think with the case of a doctor, if it's anyone's job to tell someone, are you running from reality or are you doing something unhealthy or is this actually your pain medicine? Then that's uh, of all people who could make that call, it would be the doctor because the doctor's in charge of making sure you're doing healthy things for yourself. (laughs) So, and that's part of the whole picture, you know? So, but then, you know, on the other hand, people self-medicate all the time with coffee and sugar and all kinds of other things, which are pretty terrible for you. Alcohol, like cigarettes are all, those things are all legal. And, you know, I mean, I think we, I think the, the problem that I would rather, I, I have a problem with using things to address symptoms rather than getting at the actual problem. And so I wonder with the cultural side of things is, you know, do we have a crisis of meaning where people are so depressed to the point where they're masking it with everything else? Um, that is a fair question. And I think you're definitely right that that's a component to the problem is like, why do we want all these drugs so yeah, badly? Why do we want all these things? And, and for me, I will admit a little bit of bias that I am somewhat against all this stuff because, because sure. a friend of mine did die from an overdose of heroin. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, when you get into legalizing things that are that yeah um have somewhat and caused a lot of things like that he didn't go from marijuana to heroin somebody somebody else i know did um but but yeah no he he went he basically he got into a car accident when he was in high school and it was a really bad car accident where he had to have surgery with like rods put into his legs and things like that wow really nasty but of course he was prescribed the prescription level opioids the the nasty stuff and so he got addicted to those. Then he transitioned onto heroin and and what have you. He ultimately died of a heroin overdose. That's very, very tragic when people, well, it's always tragic, but I think specifically when people get hooked on it from like a like a legitimate medical thing, like an accident or, or a disease where you take pain medication, which is what opiates are for. And then, and then it gets out of hand. That's very, 
unfortunately common Mm -hmm. and then people who abuse the system too where they heal and then they're hooked on it and they keep saying they're not healed and then it makes it harder if you really need pain meds to get it because you get labeled as a drug seeker and so it's this whole big mess and yeah no it's really murky there's no cut and dry solution to it at all i don't tend to like conflating thc with heroin because they have very different modes of action but but your point remains (laughs) yeah no I, i i understand that and i mean i have known folks who i have known a couple of folks who went from from heroin on to hair uh, heroin wow heroin Ooh, that would ugh. no heroin thank you and, yeah. and other harder harder drugs and so i mean I'd, I'd have to look more at the studies because admittedly i haven't looked a whole lot of studies of marijuana specifically um but i could i could see the gateway kind of drug aspect of it too where some people do go on from you know you got your high one way but now you got to get your high another way kind of thing and i need that high really badly but um that that's the kind of things that I worry about. And there is the argument to be made with libertarian versus conservative and liberal and what have you, you know, mm-hmm. people are going to make stupid <laughs> decisions. Do you just yeah. do it? Um, In but- some senses, you can't stop people. You can only give people information and, and compassion and care and, and openness. And then they have to take it the rest of the way. It's like, living in a world where you can make people do things is not a world that I would want to live in for many other reasons, as we've discussed many in other, many other shows, but the drug thing is really murky for sure. And, uh, yeah, I guess the, the transition from THC to me, that seems like a big leap, like, because they're so, those two drugs are so different. in like what people are getting out of them but i you know it just depends on who you hang out with like who's your crowd who what happens to you in life there's a lot of other factors that play into whether someone makes that transition so it would all those things are holistic questions right in the case of in the case of the unfortunately friend of mine who who died after that car accident with heroin and what have you i would have preferred Mm -hmm. actually if he went on to medical marijuana rather than doing a lot of the opioid stuff because he was yeah super strong things that we know now are really addictive (laughs) do you know if you don't mind my asking what year that all happened in was this a long time ago i'm trying to remember when the snowpocalypse was in um in on the in the northeast because he lived in maryland oh okay that's a that's a hotbed that like appalachia northeast is like a hotbed for the opiate problem yeah Um, i think he because the reason I ask is it was called the snowpocalypse and it, it was a heck of a blizzard, mm. but it was while that was going on that he, that he passed away. Because oh. He OD'd in his, in his room in the house he was living in. Wow. And it was his mother who found it. Was that, so it wasn't in the nineties then this was no, no, after. No, I want to say it was either 2009 or 2010. I can't remember. Oh, so it was fairly recent. Okay. I know. See, it's really unfortunate I know in the nineties, a lot of doctors did just didn't know the power of opiates. And so that's one of the ways that it spread. Um, but then in the 2010s, I think medical people definitely know better now. So it's a shame when that kind of thing happens. And I'm very sorry that that happened to your friend. It's terrible. No, so person, but, um, yeah, it, they always go too soon. The good ones. Isn't that how it always works? Yeah, he was well, a good person just got in a bad way, but anyway, yeah, I know. <laughs> I know it, it's a, it's, 
I mean, it's an important topic though. I think it's, it's a downer, but it's real. It's life. It's one of those things that we have to not sweep under the rug because a lot of people fall. I have friends too, and yeah. that I've lost through that. And it's really bad. Walking back and forth. I'm going to rewind uh, to something lighter than this though, because I just thought of this. So CBD and THC being mixed I have actually read and I need to find the paper now. I can't find it like quickly. I'm not good at finding stuff quickly. We need like our equivalent to Jamie on Joe Rogan, where we have like a person that looks shit up for us. That would be really helpful. That would be nice. Um, it's a, it's a paper that says sometimes CBD works better in combination with a little bit of THC that there's like a synergistic effect. Okay. So, and it, it's, it's anecdotal, but I think I remember reading a paper about it too. Mm. Um, and so that would actually be, this paper wouldn't show anything about that. But if some of these that have trace amounts of THC, yeah, it would be interesting to know, like, do they work better for people? Do they, do they get a more potent uh, hmm. CBD response from them without getting high because it's too low of a THC concentration to actually get you high, but then the, this, but then maybe it makes the CBD work better. So right. this is a, an open question, I think, in that in that whole world. And I need to find that paper because I right I don't usually like to to report hearsay. Just I heard this thing once, and then I'm saying it. <laughs> so if you if, if if don't quote me, uh, I'm not an expert. I don't study this professionally. I will find the paper. Adrian can put it in the description or something if I find it. So. I can do and, that. and then just also this paper is open access. So if you want to see what we're talking about, you can get it online. I always and... encourage you to go read these things. Cause I mean, we got into a fun conversation off of this and I, you and I probably still do disagree on whether or not to legalize marijuana, but that's, eh, there's nothing. Yeah. Wrong. But you know what? The reason why it's a good thing to disagree on is that nobody knows the answer. Nobody knows what's going to happen. And, you know, you've seen that, I mean, that's, what's cool about the United States is that all the States are like little experiments. So you can try them in different places and see how they go. And it might work great in some States and not so great in others. And we don't know politics is even more unpredictable than straight up biology because it's human society as like an Humans organism. Unpredictable things. Yeah. So nobody knows the answer to this question. We've, we've not been here with humans yet with such a complex, large scale society. And, um, and we have all these chemicals that people seem to want. So what do we do about that? So it's, it's interesting. And then sort of the DIY medicine aspect of this. Sometimes yeah. when somebody's like, this is my medicine, I'm like, no, it's not. You just want to get high. Like I, I just like, stop lying. <laughs> we all know what it, what it really is, but then other people, I think it really is something that's very helpful for them if they are trying to get off of pain medicine or, you know, I mean, I could see the potential use for usefulness for it in a medical perspective, for sure. That, yeah. that I could certainly see. I do wonder, I do worry about people just using it to escape from everything. That's a, that is a very unhealthy way to use it, but but yeah, you, know, you were talking about like the mom and pop shops. This is a thought mm. that just occurred to me. You know, the mom and pop shop things, you might have some trust in the like local neighbor who seems to know what they're doing kind of thing. But what about when it's when it's online and you can't possibly have met? Because I'm thinking of like the online products. One of them said it was like THC free, but in reality, it had 21 percent 
you know, I'm sorry, um, 0.21% concentration in this online product. Mm. Right. So that, yeah, that's just like, well, you can't really check that. You can't really build trust with the company or anything like that that's selling it. You right. You kind of have to trust that what they say on the label. And it was labeled THC free, which whichever company that is, is engaging in false advertising. <laughs> yeah. And so I wonder when they're not regulated, you can't really do a whole lot about that. Maybe you can just because there's advertising laws that are separate from the FDA. I don't know enough about that, actually. I think, I I think it's technically false advertising or, mm. I mean, FDA couldn't do anything about it because I, the only thing, if it were under FDA that I could think of, it would be like unapproved promotion of medical product or something like that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's in a murky area too, with all of these natural supplements. They actually mentioned that half of them mentioned nothing about the FDA on the label that like 49% of them said, this is not an FDA approved product. And the other half didn't say anything. And that's also something that I would wonder, like, does the size of the company, uh, is that some kind of proxy for like, whether or not somebody's going to remember to do all the right labeling things? Cause I think a lot of people that start their own little businesses, they don't actually know what they're like supposed to do to stay legal, um, or to at least stay, I don't know the right word for it, but just to, you know, be true to the customer and do what tell them the stuff they need to know to make an informed decision you just say here's my magical cbd potion here you go and you're just like kind of a sitting duck so <laughs> it's good for it's good for business to do those things whether or not the law says you should it's important to keep your con- customers informed i think those are the businesses that have longevity and customers is the ones that are like trustworthy because they're transparent so mm-hmm. transparent and they know this kind of stuff and I mean, the other thing, of course, I don't think they, they didn't give any standard errors for like the individual products and they really couldn't if they only picked up like one bottle or something like that. Yeah. They would have had, yeah, I wonder, you know, if they're, if it's limited by like their funding, if they could only get one, one of each, or did they buy like three, three different, uh, things from the same lot or like, this is one of those studies that it was very simple but there was a couple of things they probably could have done to like tweak it to make the data a little bit more informative like you know but then maybe it was too expensive i don't know how much these things cost i've actually never bought any cbd product before because i don't want to i don't know i'm not i'm not interested either um so it's interesting because these are all they actually say in the methods it was all national retailers that they bought from that were brick and mortar. Okay. So there wasn't any local shops that they pulled from in Baltimore. Hmm. hmm. National retailers. Okay. So that grocery stores, that's interesting. Cosmetic and beauty stores and health and wellness. Oh, so you know what? Cosmetic and beauty stores, health and wellness grocery stores, they could be buying from small producers. Yeah. So they're the, so the distributor is kind of irrelevant. It's more the brand that I would wonder about. Like, like nature's whatever, or like CBD. uh, I don't know. I'm just kind of making up some, so whatever the product label says, you know, is the maker of it, like the manufacturer is that some guy or is that a company? And then just like whether your local grocery store carries 
you know, do they only buy from like large companies? Do they buy local people's stuff? Uh, it's yeah. So the, the distributor would be the brick and mortar shop, but the company that makes it is what I would be curious about, like the brand itself. Right. So, yeah, I don't know. I guess if I, all the time when you criticize a study, there's always a million things you do from your armchair that like, <laughs> like, you know, if I were the author, I'd be like, well, why don't you do the study then? You know what I mean? Like, okay, fair. <laughs> so I've, I've had a peer review going on lately where I've kind of wanted to say that a couple of times. <laughs> yeah. So everybody's an armchair scientist. So, you know, ultimately this was a good paper. I would give it, yeah. you know, a high rating on our scale, but I, you know, somewhere, the somewhere purpose of high order area. Yeah. Yeah. The purpose of, of journal clubs is always to be overly nitpicky for, for fun and pleasure. So, <laughs> or, well, and also into get in, getting into good conversations and admittedly, I haven't read as much as some of the issues with marijuana as, as, as you have. So I'm a little, I'm a little out of my depth with this one. So I, I got to read a little bit more on it and maybe we can come back and revisit that. That yeah well and then if anyone's listening which i think we're starting to get some more fans which is super awesome thank you for listening if you've made it this far let us know what you think of this issue if you're someone who's really well read on the topic i wouldn't really consider myself well read on the topic i have thought about it maybe a little bit more than the average person but i'm no expert so if you're somebody that knows or thinks a lot about this tell us what you think of this whole thing because like we said nobody knows the answer we don't know all these little state legalization things are all little experiments to see how it works so oh, and this is also a good example of you know the um they didn't get into the political kinds of things and i think it's a good example as a study of recognizing what the limits of doing science are in that you really can't answer the moral questions of whether or not you should should or shouldn't legalize something from a study like this or from studies in general because some of that is just just a more uh, just a moral question and a legal question rather than a scientific yeah. question yeah it's really just like yeah okay increasing regulations on cbd products is one way to approach it um, there's a lot of other ways to approach the labeling accuracy thing. Um, but these are all ultimately like what you said, whether or not you as an individual should use these products or should start your own CBD business. That's not something science can tell you to do or not do. Same so. thing is, this doesn't say anything about exactly what the state should do. The state being just general government. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What's the perfect approach that's going to work for everybody. I feel like there's such a climate today of like trying to figure out what's the right way to do things. Like, well, there isn't one right way to do things for in, in many cases. Uh, I, 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 I'd almost agree, but I almost think it's like right in terms of easy, convenient way to address a problem. You know, people are thinking of it as like, well, it's the easy way to fix this thing. Just more medication. <laughs> yeah like more like more laws then we'll all be safe or more you know like you know in my and you know to criticize my own view me being like legalize all the drugs obviously i could see why that would go very wrong too like i'm not totally blind to that possibility the question is like where would such a thing be effective for which drugs for which populations like that's really the the, the juicy part of that discussion so yeah and i can see your point about about uh, some of the stigma behind it, making it harder to make sure addicts could get help. 
I, yeah. I could certainly see that as an issue. I have no sympathy for for street drug dealers who put out this stuff just to make sure people stay addicted. I have no sympathy for those yeah. idiots. And that's the polite word. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. And there's like all kinds of really interesting economic conversations you could have as to why people would choose that lifestyle of, of you know, being in the black market as opposed to some upstanding proper job. Like maybe some upstanding proper job is not available in that community uh, that makes enough money to pay your rent. Um, and there's all sorts of, you know, 20 hour long conversations you can get into, but sure. Like <laughs> if you're, if you're knowingly harming people, you should freaking stop that. Yeah. <laughs> like now. <laughs> yeah. I'm just thinking to myself with some of these conversations like these, you know what, we're, one of these days, we're just going to solve all the world's problems. We're just going to be sitting here in this rogue journal club thing and just solve all the world's problems. <laughs> Adrian and Gina for president for real or for emperor of the world. No, that's, that's literally like the worst idea ever. We should not run for office. We should just sit here and be nerds and tell other people what we think they should do and then go back to playing with cats. <laughs> Bring on the cats. Yeah, everybody should have a cat. I think that's the solution to the world's problems. You should just, because it will all be calm. You are allergic, but. Oh yeah, I suppose that's, yes. Sorry, cat allergy people. Um, yeah, but all the other people that can have cats, you can sit and pet a cat and then you won't want to call someone a tool on the internet. You'll be like, but I have to pet this cat. <laughs> I can't call that person uh, a horrible thing in a YouTube comment section because I'm too busy petting this cat and feeling happy. So <laughs> yeah, there. Fun questions to get into. And hey, this is this is why scientists do these, do these things is just simply to get at the truth of a lot of things around life in general. I mean, now we know, and this study definitely confirmed my suspicion that those, uh, that CBD labeling is probably wildly inaccurate. So this is like definitely a little bit cathartic for me where I was like, see, I freaking told you. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I, yeah. I generally speaking, don't use CBD for myself. So I, would, I wouldn't know. If I, I would. Yeah. It, I don't have any of the conditions that people say it's good for. So I just have steered clear of it. Um, and yeah. I don't like, I don't really like herbal natural treatments unless I found one that actually worked, but you know, yeah. a lot of times the hype, uh, they don't, it doesn't live up to the hype in many cases for me at least. And now if you're out there and you have a treatment that you swear by, then I'm not knocking it. Oh, I yeah. just know that almost all the time when someone has recommended one of those things to me, it like never works. It, it, it just doesn't. I did know an older person who uh, she was going through menopause and she tried doing the herbal route mm. to go through menopause and it worked for a little while and then it didn't and she was an absolute bitch yeah it, it's yeah <laughs> especially with something as complex like a lot of complex body things you know just with an herbal supplement i mean at least on the upside the cbd is like one compound for the most part, when you take like a, like an herb, you're basically taking like a handful of mystery chemicals <laughs> because you don't know all of what's in there and what all the interactions are and what it does. And if it happens to give you a good effect and it doesn't hurt you, then you probably got lucky and that's great, but it's hard to stay. Okay. Well now this worked for me. Therefore I can like systematically apply this recommendation to all these other people. You don't know there our bodies and conditions are all different. 
And then as we've seen, sometimes the individual products have a lot of variation in them too. I don't know if you heard of this study. It was like five or 10 years ago. Now it was a long time ago. Somebody went and bought a bunch of herbal supplements, like in mass from different stores and then did genetic testing on them to see if it actually contains like the plant that it says. And a lot of them contain like almost no uh, no, no trace of the actual herb, but like had gen genes that were found from house plants and all kinds of other things. So like, you know, if you're, if you're buying herbal supplements, make sure that you, you're getting them from a company that you trust is like actually putting the, the, the product in them that they say they are, so, <laughs> you know, like if you're buying something that has like ferns in it and you thought it was black cohosh or something like you, you know, <laughs> buyer beware. Oh, good. I'm just noticing the sign over my shoulder has got into the shot. So that ought to be fun. A sign over your shoulder got yeah, into the I, shot? I don't know if you can see it over my shoulder here, the wood thing, if you can read it, but. Mm -mm. No, I don't think my, I don't think my uh, <laughs> quality is good enough to read it. Wow. I, I, I just noticed it's there. So I, for, I forgot I had it there. Unlike the last time where I had the skeleton in the shot, but. Um... Ah. <laughs> Did you make your lamps, by the way? Um, your, your lampshades so this one here yes that one no actually i need to fix it i got it from a habitat restore it was it's got super a cool pieces in it so adrian is a talented glass artist if you did not know and you can see some evidence of that by that i like that little black and white lamp that's pretty cool thank you so very thank cool you. that's to go to it that is that that a client ordered that one for me. So that one's spoken for. I just got to figure out how to get it to him because he's in England. Oh, that's not simple, <laughs> especially not during the holidays. <laughs> no, I just got to figure out how to get it to him. But yeah, no, I think we've been rambling a little bit. Just yeah, I think we should probably end. But hey, you know, I've been told by people that when they listen to our shows that it's like hanging out with your friends and that's part of that. That's part of the idea. So that, that's exactly the idea. Thank you all for listening. We really appreciate it. And don't forget if you have any ideas um, for the show to just uh, let us know what kind of articles you'd like us to get into, because we'd be happy to do some, some, well, I, I'm presuming you'd be happy to do some viewer, viewer requests. I'm certainly happy to do viewer requests. Yeah, we can only come up with so many ideas before we can't. So <laughs> help us. <laughs> All right, see you guys next time. Bye-bye, everybody. Stay curious. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Rogue Journal Club. If you want to suggest articles for the show, please consider becoming a supporter of shiasophia.locals.com. The link for the Locals community is available in the show notes. The Rogue Journal Club is a Shia Sophia production. Copyright 2022.